الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما خلقت الجن والانس الا ليعبدون صدق الله العظيم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters this ayat of the quran sharif we have heard repeatedly and it is meant to be heard repeatedly the quran sharif is there for us to recite daily and it will remain till qiyamah people will continue reciting and this message will continue inspiring people to guide them to direct them that what is their object in life why are they here what is their purpose is it just a mere existence that a person comes eats drinks sleeps enjoys some other bounties and benefits and person has whatever other occupations and then life goes on and a person is gone is that all is it just that a person comes into this dunya fulfills his desires and he's gone and is that the end of it no every person who has iman in his heart knows fully well that there's a very much deeper meaning to life and life does not end with the person leaving this world it only really starts at that time so this is the ayat of the quran sharif that allah taala describes this objective in wama khalaqtul jinna wal insa illa liya'budun that i have not created insan and jinnat except liya'budun so that they may worship me and this worship is a very comprehensive thing the mufassirin explain liya'rifun liya'budun as liya'rifun so that they may recognize me who am i allah taala is the creator the sustainer the nourisher allah taala is the doer he alone brought us into existence and we will be accountable to him again on the day of qiyamah so this entire recognition so this is what we are here for and in order to enable us to fulfill this objective to understand what our responsibilities are to be able to fulfill this objective allah taala sent down the quran sharif upon his rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam and nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam practically demonstrated the commands of the quran sharif he lived the quran sharif and he passed it on to us <coughs> if we want to succeed we'll have to follow in the same footsteps and then our life will become meaningful then our life will become something of substance otherwise it will just be something that has been wild away something gone into the wind finish in terms of any production in terms of anything constructive but then when death comes it's too late to do anything and a person would have had like the opportunity to go through a gold mine a diamond mine and pick up whatever he wished to 
And now he's left, the time has come to leave and he's empty handed. Now he has to live his life, he has to fulfill his needs, he has to buy his provisions, but he doesn't have anything. So likewise when a person, time comes to leave this dunya, he has to buy his provisions for the akhirat, he's got nothing. It's too late now to do anything. To earn anything for the year after is over now, the time is over. So to teach us this importance that we dedicate ourselves to the object of life, to the purpose of life. We find these various occasions coming in, which out of His grace Allah has given us, to make us sit and think, to make us ponder, to make us reflect, that why am I here in this world? What is my direction? Where am I heading to? What is my purpose? So among those occasions is, the 15th night of Sha'ban. And this is a very significant occasion. It is on the doorstep of Ramadan. Two weeks before Ramadan comes this very great occasion of Sha'ban. 15th night of Sha'ban. Ramadan itself is such a great occasion. And so close to that is the 15th night of Sha'ban. Allah alone knows best. Allah's hikmat, what can we understand? The depth of it that is infinite never ending and our limited minds how can it accept or, or understand fully it will accept but how can it understand fully what is the full wisdom in it but in any case one of the things that appears to be that this is a like a wake up call that look Ramadan is not far away have you sorted your life out have you put everything in order and in particular have you put your relationships in order because if you look into the significance of this night, very great rewards, Allah Ta'ala forgives more people than the number of hair on the sheep of the tribe known as Bani Kalb, which was a tribe known for its great number of sheep. So, let alone a great number, thousands, even one sheep, how much of hair would it be? Would they be on it? So, Allah Ta'ala is showering down his maghfirat on so many numerous souls, but yet there are some people who are deprived of the blessings of this night, of the forgiveness of this night. And among those people are people who have problems with their relationships, with their parents. Those who are disobedient to their parents are deprived of the mercy of this night. So now let us reflect in ourselves, are we those who have our relationships in order with our parents? Or is there a problem that we have in there? Likewise, those who cut off family ties with relatives, close family members, they also get deprived of the benefits of this night. So by any chance, are we guilty of this? This is what we have to check within ourselves that this is such a great occasion, but we become deprived due to our negligence and due to not having our relationships in order. So what is the lesson that is being given to us here is that this ibadat that we have come in this world for, which is our object of life, this is a complete code of life. It includes our ibadat in terms of our salah, zakat, fasting, hajj, and it includes all these aspects of life also. 
our mu'amalat, our mu'asharat, we have probably repeated this dozens of times, and inshallah we will keep repeating it many more dozens of times, that this is unfortunately the aspect, and these are the departments that we shirk in often, and a person is making their five times salah, they may be making some tilawat also, alhamdulillah, they're making some zikr dua, alhamdulillah. So, we do these things, we regard ourselves as super A Muslims. And that we are already guaranteed ticket to Jannat. What is the position with our relationships, with our parents, with family members? Are we involved in other sins that deprive people of the mercies of such great occasions? That all is a secondary issue to us. I am a very good Muslim, as long as I am performing my five times salah. Indeed, that is the first fundamental of deen. A person without salah cannot be a good Muslim. But with salah also, if a person is not fulfilling these rights of people, hukukul ibad, relationships with people, then too a person is not a good Muslim. And a person is not fulfilling the objective of life. And what we understand from all this is, that how much of emphasis is placed on being a source of comfort, a source of happiness to others. Because a person who is disobedient to his parents, he's a source of great pain to them. Now becoming a source of pain to one's parents is actually the issue that causes a person to become deprived of the blessings of this night. Because he's become a source of taklif, a source of pain to his parents. So how important it is that we give comfort to them. We give happiness to them. And often, in giving happiness to them, we are going to have to suppress our own feelings at that time. It doesn't just work that uh, everybody will be happy all the time. No, sometimes we'll have to take some inconvenience upon ourselves, but we can be happy in that. That when we are taking the inconvenience for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, a person is now physically in some kind of inconvenience, but the heart is extremely happy about it, provided he understands what he's doing, what he's going to get for it, that he's going to get Allah Ta'ala's pleasure for it. Then even in that pain there is pleasure. Like a person eating something very spicy, very hot, and some people love these spicy and hot things. So now the person is eating that spicy food, that hot food, and his eyes are running, his nose is running, his eyes are becoming red, and he's perspiring, and he's saying, give me more. A person is working, he's slogging. But why he's slogging? The person said, you do this one piece of job, and this is the target, you finish it off by a certain time, then there's so much bonus for you. Now he's slogging for it, because he's looking at the bonus, and he's happy to do it. He is under pressure. He is stressed out. And he is in physical pain also. He is exerting himself physically. But he is mentally and in his heart he is happy for, do, for everything that is happening. He is happy to do it because he is looking at the bonus at the end of the day. That to just fulfill this task now, I normally get a salary of 5,000 of 7,000 and to fulfill this task an additional task I've been given and offered another bonus of another 5,000 so now the deadline is coming I must do this additional 5,000 so he is ready to take all the difficulties happy to take it 
So likewise, to please our parents, when we know that we are going to achieve the happiness of Allah Ta'ala for this, the rewards that are going to be showered down, provided we understand what is coming. We have recognized that this is part of deen. We have recognized that this is the way that we are going to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. Then we'll undertake the inconvenience on ourselves and we'll make them happy. We will suppress our feelings and make them happy. We will inconvenience ourselves and bring comfort to them. Because we understand that this is the way to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. And likewise with our relatives, does it matter? I humble myself. I might even take a financial loss sometimes. I might have to overlook certain things. Despite not being wrong to say, it doesn't matter my fault, please forgive me. I will be ready to do all that because I can see something beyond that. It doesn't finish off there. The one who has done that, who has given up a dispute with some family member, for example, despite being right, Nabi Islam says, I stand guarantee. Can we imagine Nabi Islam standing guarantee? If some millionaire says, Don't worry, I'll guarantee the deal for you, you go ahead. Somebody wants that, you want to take that goods on credit, they want a guarantee, I'll write that guarantee out. 100,000 rands guarantee, 5,000. Uh, million rand guarantee we feel this person did the world for me and we saw uh, at ease now that this person has given the guarantee who can tomorrow that person himself could be a pauper his guarantee could be worth not even worth the paper it's written on Allah's Nabi is saying I stand guarantee there cannot be a better person standing guarantee for us guarantee for what? for a palace in the middle of Jannat in the heart of Jannat for the person who gives up a dispute despite being right. He is right. But he says for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, I forget about this now. Give it up. So despite being right, he is giving up the dispute. Allah Ta'ala loves this so much. Nabi Islam is standing, loves this so much also. He is standing guarantee for the person to give him a palace in the middle of Jannat. And wholeheartedly, for Allah Ta'ala's pleasure, wholeheartedly says, let it go. Doesn't matter. Not that he's obliged to let it go, if there's some financial issues involved there. One is that there's some words, somebody said something to us, somebody passed some comment, somebody made some remark. All these things, a mu'min has a big heart. A mu'min doesn't have place in his heart for carrying all these baggages around. A mu'min is somebody that is very, very light in his approach and very, very uh, easy in just letting these things pass. He doesn't carry this baggage around. Last time somebody said this, and last time that person did this, and that's how that person treated me, and that person didn't do this, and that person, all these, this person and that person. A mu'min, a person who wants to follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that person says, let it go, man. All oh, somebody made some comment, I also made some comments, can't carry this baggage and walk around. Yes, there's some financial issue, there's some rights to claim. Then in a dignified way, you're entitled to claim it. Not a problem. In the proper manner, within the limits of Shariat, you're entitled to claim it. 
You don't have, now somebody is owing you a hundred thousand rands, you're not obliged to write that off. If you need it, you want to claim it, you're by all means entitled to claim it in a dignified way within the limits of Shariat. But if a person, it's small, some small amounts, and it's becoming a dispute, one is a person is acknowledging, yes, I owe you, so fine, pay me now. You can't pay me now, how are you going to pay me, when are you going to pay? Now there's a fight carrying on, there's a tug of war. I'm saying it's mine, he's saying it's his, and that person saying it's his. And now this is becoming a major problem. Now it is who's got a heart. Who's got a heart to say, fine, let it go. If he can prove his claim, he'll prove it and take it if he wants to. But if it seems like this is never going to get resolved, and it's going to tear everybody apart, now there are people with hearts. They say, no, I don't want everybody torn apart. Let this one thing go, doesn't matter. So such people are the people who Nabi Sallallahu is so happy with them. Nabi Sallallahu is so thrilled with them. He says, I will stand guarantee on the day of Qiyamah that such a person will get a palace in the middle of Jannat, in the heart of Jannat. More greater than that palace is Nabi Sallallahu happiness. And if Nabi Sallallahu is happy, it's Allah Ta'ala's happiness. That palace is a token of the happiness. So what can be greater than the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala? So here it, this is what these occasions are teaching us. To have a heart and to let these things pass. Not to carry this baggage around. Our heart should be clean. Unfortunately we uh, neglect the cleanliness of our heart. We keep our shoes clean our car tires clean and we clean our homes to the last but everything must be spick and span and everything must be to the T but if there's one place that can stay dirty it's my heart everything else must be clean my heart stays dirty there's some jealousy in there for somebody I'm wishing ill for somebody I'm harboring malice for somebody else there's ill feelings and suspicions for somebody else and all these scorpions are inside and then there's all illicit things in this heart, haram relationships in that heart, some chatting with non-mahrams in that heart, looking at haram in that heart, listening to music and other haram in that heart, and all this dirt and filth and the worst muck. My heart can have everything. Outside must be speak and span. Outside there mustn't be one speck of dirt. This is unfortunately our case. And outside must be even adorned even better. Why we want to adorn the outside? Because people are looking at the outside. And who is looking at the inside? In the hadith, Nabi Islam says, Inna Allaha la yanduru ila ajisamikum wa la ila suwarikum. Allah Ta'ala does not look at your... He can see everything. Everything is in the knowledge of Allah Ta'ala. But Allah Ta'ala does not look... Does not pay any attention to your external self. Of meaning how it's adorned. External self doesn't mean that do what you want. There is the guidelines in Sharia of how the external self should be also. But meaning in all the fancy things, that how uh, handsome or beautiful somebody is, or how physically somebody can be more smart than somebody else, or how somebody has adorned themselves with jewelry they're wearing, or what kind of abaya they're wearing, or all these things. Allah Ta'ala doesn't look at that. That doesn't make a person anything in the sight of Allah Ta'ala person has worn the best label, person is worn, is showing off with some 
big sign which they're advertising for somebody. So Allah Ta'ala doesn't look at all this. Allah Ta'ala looks at your heart. So now, because people can see our outside, our house, our car, ourselves, so we adorn it. So people must see it and get happy. And our heart, which Allah Ta'ala looks at, that can stay as filthy as ever. People may see it and forget about what they saw in one second also. Allah Ta'ala knows all the time what's in this heart. So for people will make everything speak and span. What Allah Ta'ala is looking at that can remain as filthy as ever. Na'uzu billahi min zalik. Astaghfirullah. May Allah Ta'ala forgive us. May Allah Ta'ala enable us to understand the realities that the main thing is to clean our heart out. So all this malice, this jealousy, this ill feeling and this wishing ill for others and all the other things that go along in this direction all this is what we have to clean our hearts out from. And these occasions come to highlight this lesson. That have we cleaned our hearts out? Have we humbled ourselves? As we said that sometimes you are not wrong, you are right. But in humbling yourself and saying, fine, just let's get over it now, doesn't matter, okay, my fault. A person really loses nothing in that. He gains a lot. And he gains that which all money cannot buy, all the money of the world cannot buy, gains the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, gains the bounties of Akhirat, and he even gets barakat in this world, gets barakat in his life, barakat in his wealth, by maintaining and enhancing family, family relationships. So the bottom line in all this is, the lesson we got, was that we have to become a source of comfort, a source of happiness, a source of peace, be wishing well for everybody all the time. Our mind also is working positively for others. Making excuses for their mistakes. And still being good to them. This is a true mu'min. This is a person who has got akhlaq. This is a person who Allah Ta'ala is pleased with. Nabi Islam is pleased with. And this is what these occasions are teaching us. To mend, not to bend. To build bridges, not to break bridges. To unite, not to divide. So, we should be reflecting on these things. That what are we? Unfortunately, nowadays, everything goes in the opposite direction of what it should be. We should be making decisions on the basis of Akhirat. But our decisions are purely based on dunya. For example... Should I mend this relationship or not? So on the basis of Akhirat, yes, definitely. On the basis of dunya, now I will then be looking like the, I lost out. This person won. He'll look like the person who was the victor. And I was the person who was, who lost out. Uh, he seems that if I now humble myself, he would get more respect. And I would be disgraced. All these are the basis and the decisions based on dunya. And dunya, unfortunately, is going upside down. The whole dunya is going upside down. They're trying to make it upside down. They're trying to make men behave like women. You find men also wearing, unfortunately, it's many, they're wearing earrings also. Men also wearing earrings. And tying plaits. And women, they're trying to make them men. 
They are dressing like men. They are trying to make them play like men. So you find now women also, girls also playing soccer. This is a boys game. Whether it is a different thing now, provided it's just being played just in a little bit, just to freshen the mind. Within the limits of deen, there's no contravention of any law of shariat. But it is a boys game. Now you'll say, but there's a women's team also, we heard, they made it like that now. How, how many years ago did this women's team come in? They're deliberately pushing it. That whatever a man does, a woman must do. And whatever a woman does, a man must do. So that they can make this whole mix up. And destroy the nature, the natural disposition and the nature of people. Destroy that. And when that is destroyed, then the first thing that will emanate from that is total behayai. Because a woman now is dressing like a man. And a man is behaving like a woman. And there's no distinction between the two. And then there's a total breakdown of society. Because now the, everything that the man does, the woman must do. So she must also work outside. And she must mix up with everybody. And as a result, there's no family left. So now there's a breakdown in society. When there's a breakdown in society, a broken society can be controlled easily. A broken society can be controlled easily. So now this is coming from wherever it's coming. But this is the agenda. So the West has already become a broken society. And now that is the agenda that is being exported throughout the world. And it's exported in the guise of material benefits and comforts and luxuries. The husband must work also, the wife must work also. And both must earn a good salary so that they can enjoy the comforts of life. And now more and more comforts will be produced. More and more technology and more and more of everything. So that the whole thing, the whole system, the correct and natural system can be now turned upside down. So now that girl is also playing soccer. And she's thinking now she's, she's progressed. Now she's wearing jeans like her brother. So now she's progressed. She's destroying her nature, so she's progressed. Now the whole, whatever was retrogression, whatever was the opposite of progress, that is now being called progress. Now imagine if one man wears one skirt and comes. Right now, that's not the case yet. It hasn't come to that. It perhaps might come to that also one day. Imagine a fully sewn dress. Some man comes into your house. Some relative of yours. Allah forbid somebody close. And he wore one dress and came. Complete with the, whatever, how a dress is sewn. And he says, well, you are wearing the shirt and pants. So I'm wearing a dress. Will anybody accept it? They won't accept it. Right now, up to now, they won't accept it. So the woman right now, the man right now, they won't accept him wearing a dress. But if a woman is dressed in a suit also, they're making suits for them, then she's progressing. So this is now to first break down the haya in woman. So in their dressing, to the extent that little girls now are being taught to play boy games. So they'll play soccer, they'll play cricket, and they'll feel now this is an achievement. And in schools they'll arrange actually, now girls teams also to play all these games. Whereas they were distinct games for girls. Right through, in the Kuffar schools also. 
In the Kuffar schools also, there were distinct games for girls. But, now even in Muslim institutions, everything is all mixed up. Why? Because it's coming from the same agenda, but we don't think, we don't reflect. Anything that's coming, we just take it blindly. Just blindly, because it came from somewhere else. Everybody's doing it, we've got to do it. That is progress. Everybody's dressing in a certain way, we've got to dress in the same way. That's progress. Everybody's dressing in a manner that is totally... Uh, totally shameless. This is a very difficult thing to say what I'm going to say now. And it's extremely shameful to even bring it on the tongue. But unfortunately, these are becoming realities. And if we don't say it somewhere, uh, we perhaps are going to be shirking in our responsibility. That there are youngsters writing questions. That the way my sister dresses I don't have control over my emotions. That is sufficient for us to understand what is being spoken about. So why must that ever be adopted even in privacy, that kind of dressing? It is shameless. It shows that there is something wrong. Why must that even be adopted in privacy? And when it's adopted in the home, in the four walls of the home, at some point, now some are totally, already that shame has gone to such a point that they're walking in front of their brothers, their father, their whoever, and in dressing that the angels must be crying about. And even if it is not being worn in front of that brother or father or whoever, but what is the point? The only point is shamelessness, full stop. So, this is, this is where it's heading to. And we take no note of it. Everybody's doing it. So, this is the only kind of pajamas available now. So, well, fine. So, tomorrow it will be something worse. That's fine also. And some might not be able to express it for whatever the reasons are. So, we just take it for granted that, well, everybody's happy with it. Carry on with life. Whereas, it's shameless. One person mentioned to me that his daughter... She's about five, six years old. And alhamdulillah, she has been given the correct training in a tarbiyat. So one day some guests came to their home. So there were some young girls and so on. Now They were sleeping overnight. Their family. So at night now, they all change into their night clothes, which was meant to be obviously in, a, in, a, in somebody else's house. Obviously among the women. But now they wore their night clothes now this little child of five years, in their presence, suddenly asked her mother, why are they all wearing haram clothes? Now her tarbiyat was made to a point, so she's seeing what her, well, whatever, whether they were her cousins or whatever, some guests, and she is now asking the mother, and children, children are children, they are innocent, their minds are clean and clear, and they'll say it like it is. If you want to really know who you are, ask a child. Obviously, provided that child has already not been, now the whole mindset of the child has not been already tarnished. But now this child was given the right tarbiyat, so the child said it as it is, plainly. She asked her mother that why are they wearing all, they, all of them wearing haram clothes, the tight-fitting and short kind of clothes. So, the child said the reality. So, this is unfortunately the agenda that is being pushed to distort things. And because everybody is doing it, we do it. 
And we feel quite comfortable about it. And if somebody speaks against it, you don't know where he came from. This person is lost in some mountain top or something. He doesn't know what's going on in the world. The world has moved on now. That's the old time. But we have to carry on with the old time if you want to get anywhere. We have to carry on with that old time that is 1400 years old. That way of life that Rasulullah taught us. That way of haya. That way of shame and modesty. And where values are taught. And that society which has gone to the gutters is a broken society where there's no distinction left of male and female, where the worst kind of evil is the norm. What they give us is that what we want to take? Then we've gone far away from whatever understanding should be regarding our deen. So, any case, we were talking about something completely different and we digressed onto this point. Whatever Allah Ta'ala puts in the heart and mind, that is, inshallah, beneficial for all of us. Thing is that we have to become conscious about how we are being pushed to turn our nature upside down. Our natural disposition, our nature within us, human nature, how it is being turned upside down. We have to become conscious of that. And we have to understand that we've got to resist that. And there will be those who will stand up for this. Stand up meaning in their practice. And they say, I will not get washed in the floodwaters of all this muck. I will wear even night clothes that are modest. Clothes that I can wear in front of my father, my brother, without having any doubt that this is modest. And something that even if Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala had to come and see it too, she will have no problem with it. And that is what I will wear any time. I will dress in a manner that a Muslimah dresses, a Muslimah who has haya in her, not somebody who is khush rahe Rahman or razi rahe shaitan. Allah Ta'ala must be happy also and shaitan also must be happy. That can never happen. If you're going to try to make shaitan happy at any level, Allah Ta'ala's displeasure is going to come. So, this whole agenda is there to try and push everything upside down. So, these girls will be made to play boy games. And boys will start wearing earrings. And they'll be wearing bangles. And they'll feel, they'll start wearing all pink color tackies. And they'll feel very happy about themselves. And this whole gender thing will all be, and unfortunately then other evils all start moving out of this. You start seeing all kinds of worse kind of behavior, animal behavior. And outwardly in innocent ways. So, we started off and we were discussing the aspect of the 15th night of Shaban. This comes to give us the reality of what deen is all about. That together with our ibadat, our salah, our zakah, our hajj, the aspects of relationships, we have our relationships in order and we do what is necessary to join these ties and we do not become a source of pain and difficulty for anybody, especially our parents. We maintain family ties. Various other aspects are mentioned in these hadith, inshallah, or mu'allimas, etc. will uh, highlight those things to us so that we make the effort to clear all these issues that become the obstacle from receiving the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala, receiving His forgiveness, and receiving the blessings and rewards of these mubarak occasions. May Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa'akhiru da'wanan. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله 
اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين